A New Life family. Pastor Jeremy here. It's been so great uh, to take a couple of weeks off and have some of our other communicators uh, speak during the summer, but we are back. I have missed you, and I am back, and so good to be back in your, in your, your TVs, your living rooms, your, your cars, wherever you're listening. Uh, just wanted to say how good it is to be back. Welcome to New Life Christian Center all over the country. Just want to say hi to my mom and dad in Tennessee. Had a great visit with them a couple of weeks ago. And hi, of course, to my Mimi down in Florida. She'll kill me if I don't give a shout out to her as well. And all of our family and friends back in Colorado and, and Wisconsin and Tennessee, all, the, all of you that watch New Life uh, services just want to say welcome and thank you for being here. And of course, all of our New Life Patterson family, let me just give you an update. We are this close. We are this close. So we are going to have our first service on Sunday, September the 12th. All right. Take out your phones. Take out your calendars right now. Sunday, September 12th, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., two services. And uh, the, the, the painters are there as we speak right now, finishing up the auditorium. Then they're going over to the kids' room. They already have uh, one, one coat on all the kids' side. Uh, the construction part of our campus is complete. We are done. Now it's just cleaning the floors, uh, putting furniture together and things like that. So we're going to be reaching out to you over the next couple of weeks to help us do all of that, okay, because we need some help. Tito and, and Pastor Tito and Miss Anna and I cannot do it on our own. We know several of you have been reaching out to me saying, Jeremy, come on, give me something to do. I want to do this, and you're going to get your opportunity. Also, every Saturday leading up into our, our, our beginning services there on September 12th, from 8 to 9 a.m., every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m., we're having a time of prayer. We're praying over our building because we know God's going to do some amazing things through that and in that. And we are praying over all of our ministries, over our kids' department, our auditorium, every seat. We are just praying for God's will be done. And we want to invite you from 8 to 9 a.m. every Saturday. You don't have to stay the whole hour. Get there, stay for five minutes and leave what, however long you want. You can stay the whole hour. You can stay five minutes. It doesn't matter. Bring your, your breakfast and coffee, enough for me. Uh, and then pray, and then you can leave, okay? But we just wanted to make sure that everybody's clear about that, that every Saturday it is open from 8 to 9 a.m. The parking lot's been striped. I'm, I'm giddy, okay? I'm so excited for this to happen, and that happens on Sunday, September the 12th, okay? So be ready for that. Uh, go ahead and take out your phones and check in. You already saw all the announcements that we have uh, regularly about prayers and all that. I'm not going to go through all that. That was in the beginning of the message. We are going to jump right in because today... We're starting a brand new series called RE. All right, let me get into that just for a minute. But I hope you enjoyed the summer series that we had about questions. A lot of great, fantastic questions that people ask each other, people ask God. And so a lot of, uh, a lot of you have been uh, t telling us how much you enjoyed the summer series. You enjoyed uh, Pastor Tito and Pastor Dave and Pastor Brett and Pastor Brian, Pastor John, all of our communicators. And we just want to say thank you to all of those who were able to step in and help us out this summer. It was a great way for me to be able to focus on the building and not worry about having to put messages together every week. But God is good, and we are back. Okay, so like I said, today we're kicking off this brand new series called RE. And I know what you're thinking, what is RE? All right, isn't that Kanye uh, West's new name? No, that's Ye. all right? And let me just say, if you pay $1,500 for a pair of Ye flip-flops, we got some problems, okay? I'll go to Old Navy and buy you a pair for a dollar, and they're just as good. But think of all the words that began with the word re, rebuild, reflect, rehearse, renew, 
review, renegotiate. The list goes on and on and on about putting the the two letters R-E in front of a word. Now I know most of us when we, uh, most of us do know what the word re means, but in case you don't, re means back, back from, back to the original place. It also means again, anew, to do once more. So over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at some powerful re's from Scripture in the Bible, to go back again, to be anew once more. And today we're looking at the word remember, remember, bringing back to my mind again. The member part of this word has to do with memory or mindfulness. And in case you're thinking, oh, okay, wait, wait, Jeremy, just a few weeks ago we did a message about forgetting the past, about how God said, forget the past and move forward. We talked about how God was telling the people of Israel to forget all that. And that's true. But if you'll remember, see what I did there? (laughs) If you'll remember, uh, that was for a very specific season of Israel's history because they were stuck in the remember. They were stuck there. They couldn't see what God was doing in the now because they were waiting and anticipating what God was going to do based on what he had done in the past. And God said, forget all of that because I'm about to do something new. However... When God said to forget all of that, he wasn't meaning to wipe our memories clean of what God had done for them in the past because there are some very specific things that God wants us to remember. He wants us to reflect upon because remembering some of those things actually builds our relationship with him. Remembering some of the places that we were and some of the things that God did for us back then takes us into a deeper connection with him. All right, so let's dive into this. Now, all of us have triggers that bring up certain memories in our life, don't we? And the reason why I'm smiling is because some of the examples that I have, and it just makes me laugh. Think of some of the things that trigger your memories. No matter how old you have, there are certain things that take you all the way back to being a child when you grew grew up. All right, what about songs? All right, so Janet and I, we have our love songs. If you're married, you probably have your love songs too. One of ours is Almost Paradise. If you remember that, it came off the Footloose uh, album back in the 80s, all right. And I was going to sing some of it, but maybe I shouldn't. It seems like perfect love, so hard to find. There you go, baby. I sang that just for you. But 80 songs with good and bad memories. And when I hear 80 songs, Van Halen and Metallica and Bon Jovi and Def Leppard, when I hear those songs, it takes me back to when I was 16, 17 years old in my 79 Mustang, cruising down those hot summer nights of Tennessee, blasting out, living on a prayer when it first came out, not now. What about certain smells? Every time I smell a gas furnace, okay, we have, we have gas at our house now, but we, didn't grow, uh, we did not grow up in Tennessee. But my family in Ohio had gas furnaces and gas uh, stoves. And every time I smell a gas furnace, man, it takes me back to when I was a little kid at my grandma's house, at my mamaw's house. She had a gas furnace. And that's where we stayed, half of our stay when we would go visit for the holidays was at my mamaw's house. And so when that gas furnace would kick on, man, it just makes me think of Christmas and sleeping on the floor and anticipating Christmas Day. Those are some great memories that I have. 
Every time I, I smell a garage or a basement, I think about my Mimi and Papa's house in, in Ohio. My, my, uh, they, they had a pool table in their basement. And so going down there and smell just the musty air of a basement, every time I smell that, it makes me think of that. Or when I see a garage, there's certain smells in a garage that almost make me visualize my Papa sitting there in his lawn chair stringing green beans. Great memories that I have. What about voices? Certain voices bring up certain memories. And when I hear voices of like actors, of Harrison Ford, you guys may think of something else of Harrison Ford. But when I hear Harrison Ford's voice, I think about when I was five years old sitting in that movie theater watching Star Wars in 1977 for the very first time. Pictures. I'm not talking about picking up your phone and saying, oh, look at my little kid doing this. No, I'm talking about shoeboxes of pictures, okay, 42-pound shoeboxes that we had with all these Polaroid pictures of me and my brothers on Christmas Day and playing baseball. All of those things are triggers for memories. There's something really powerful about our memories, right? But I also know that not all memories are good memories. Some memories are haunt us. Some memories wound us. They diminish us. And I have some of those. So do you. I still live with some of the memories of words that's been spoken to me years ago that make me feel like a failure or a poor leader or less than. You have those as well. Other memories, they revive us. They heal us. They restore us. The word remember or the phrase do not forget is used dozens of times throughout the Bible. God wanted some things to be brought back on a regular, ba- on a regular basis to our mind, to our memories of who he is and how good he has been to our life. And about his power and about his might, about his justice and mercy and forgiveness and grace. He didn't want humanity to forget his faithfulness or from where he had brought us. He wanted us to remember his words and his commands that bring freedom and protection into our lives. When the Jewish nation would gather, they would, quote, read the law and be reminded of God's provision. They celebrated festivals and holy days to remind them of all that God had done for them in the past. They celebrated Passover every year so that they would never forget that they were freed from Egyptian captivity. Even today, the Jews celebrate Passover with the Seder meal. And for you and I, it's Christmas and Easter so that we can remember the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's communion that we do the first Sunday of every month to remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. Why? To remember. There's a scene from the Old Testament when Joshua was leading the nation of Israel right after the death of Moses. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But God had stopped, physically stopped the flow of the Jordan River that the the Jewish nation was about to cross into the promised land. This miracle, this incredible miracle that they were all witness to. And then Joshua asked them to create a memorial to honor what God had done. Something to remember the moment. We find it in the book of Joshua, chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Also, don't forget that we always put the fill-ins on the app, uh, the fill-ins that we give here on the weekend. So you can just go to the app, click on uh, Connect, then click on Weekend Resources, Patterson Sermons, and you'll see the the fill-ins there. Joshua 4, 4 through 8. So Joshua called together the 12 men that he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, 
He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan. This is after the water had stopped. Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua instructed the tribal leaders, the elders, to tell this story of the stones to the generations to come. The message was this. Always remember. Always remember. And because of that, I think that there's a few things that God wants you and I to remember as well. Some very important things that have the potential to keep us in a close relationship with him. Number one is this, remember my salvation. God wants me to remember my salvation. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul said this, don't forget that you Gentiles, okay, and that's all of us. Unless you're, unless you're a, a, a full-blooded Jewish person, you are considered a Gentile. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies, not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you did not know the promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. Though you once were far away from God, Now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. Remember your salvation. This is where you once were, but now you're here. Not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. I think of that and myself, I have lots of what I call church memories as a kid growing up. Now, Let me just tell you, not all of my church memories are good, okay? Especially when I was eight years old, and my mom and dad can remember this, that when Sister Nelson walked up to me and said, boy, he's husky. All right, now that's a very polite way of saying he's chonky, he's chubby, he needs to lose some weight. My mom didn't appreciate that. But I remember that. Listen, guys, that was 40 years ago. And I still remember her coming up and calling me husky. But some of my memories of church are really good. Having baptisms in a very cold, crystal clear creek shaded by big trees out in the country in Tennessee. Great memories. Watching my dad and other men convert an old laundromat into a church. Learning all the kids songs in church that I did that I can still sing today because my mom uh, led our little children's church growing up. Praying for Jesus to come into my heart. 1,286 times before at the age of 12, like every other kid does, all right? All great memories. And that November night in 1990, when I was lying on my back in my waterbed, yep, I had a waterbed back then, everybody did. And I remember lifting my hands up towards heaven 
and saying, God, beginning today, I totally surrender my life to you. Now, I didn't write it down. I don't know the exact date. Okay, I'm not that organized, just so you know. But I do remember the experience. And no one can ever take that away from me. So let me ask, what about you? What is your salvation experience? Do you even have a salvation experience? Because if you do not have an experience with Jesus, I can't think of a better time than today to have a genuine, authentic experience with Jesus Christ by asking him to come and be the Lord of your life, by repenting of your sins, by asking his forgiveness. Today would be a great day for that. And then write it down. Remember this day. Write it down somewhere. Remember as you go on 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you can look back and say, I remember when I surrendered my life to Jesus. Here's another thing God wants us to remember is, number two, remember where I started. God wants me to remember where I started. In Psalms 40, chapter, two, or chapter 40, verse 2, it says this, He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Okay, this is David talking about where he came from. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Can I just tell you, do not forget where you came from. Now, don't live in that. Don't live in the, in the past so deeply where you can't move forward. But never forget where you came from. Don't forget from what and from where Jesus saved you. Ask yourself, how is my life different now than it was pre-salvation, pre when I made that decision to ask Jesus to come into my life? Because we all have junk in our past, don't we? Every one of us. Things we're embarrassed about, things we hope no one ever finds out about. But remember, that's not who you are anymore. God saved and delivered you from, from that person, from that lifestyle, and gave you a new life, a renewed life. He rescued you and delivered you for a new life. Sometimes we need those reminders that we have been changed and renewed. And that we didn't earn this salvation. For anyone that walks around and says, whoo, man, that was hard. I really earned this relationship with Jesus. No, you did not. None of us earned it. It is his free gift to us. Now, notice I didn't say it's totally free. Because salvation costs someone something. It costs the son of the living God his very own life. It costs Jesus a sacrifice. Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the people of Philippi. He says, for I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Now this is Paul pleading his case why he is more deserved to be a follower of Jesus than anybody else. And his case is pretty strong. For I was circumcised when I was eight years old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin, going back thousands of years. So I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I am a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. And zealous? Yes. In fact, I harshly persecuted the church. And I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought all of these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. 
Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. Remember where you were. Remember how you lived. Remember where you started and came from. Number three, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, okay? This is one of the original Ten Commandments, okay? Let me read to you how critical it is for us to remember and honor and obey the Sabbath, okay? Look at Exodus chapter 20. Remember to observe the Sabbath, okay? One, later on he says remember to keep the Sabbath, okay? But here he says remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days a week you are set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, or any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Then he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. He's saying, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. Six days. You have six days to get everything done, but on the seventh, give that to me. Now, a lot of people think that Sunday is the Sabbath. Guess what? Sunday is not the Sabbath for everyone. Whatever day you choose to be your Sabbath, that's what God is talking about here. The definition of the Sabbath means to rest, to cease. All right, one theologian puts it this way, to take a deep breath, to take a breather. For how long? 24 hours. To take one 24-hour day and to breathe, to rest to cease. For six days, have it all. Do all that you need to do. Work, study, shop, go for it. Do it well and with everything that you've got. But on the seventh day, rest. Now notice, God is not asking us. He's demanding us to rest. But why is this so important to God? Why is taking a day of rest so critically important to God that he would make it a priority for us? Here's why. The Sabbath and rest is a gift from God. And he does not appreciate when we reject his gifts to us. The Sabbath, salvation, his son Jesus. Because God's not getting anything out of this deal. Nor does he want us to reject his gift. He created us to live in a cycle of seven, six days of week, six days of work and accomplishment, and one day to be renewed and recharged. I'm reading this amazing book right now. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. All right, write that down. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is what I'm going through right now. Which I can honestly say that I'm almost finished with this book and I'm failing miserably at what the author is trying to communicate because my life still feels so hurried. It does. And you may be listening to me right now saying, yes, Jeremy, I cannot stop. My life feels so hurried. Being a husband and a dad and a pastor and a project manager over the new facility and a student as I finish up my master's program. I'm like, when do I sleep? 
This book couldn't have come at a better time in my life. But listen to this. One of the statistics that the author gives is this. On average, on average, members of the Seventh-day Adventist church live seven years longer than other evangelical Christians. You know why? Because they take the Sabbath so seriously in their denomination. They do nothing. They reflect, they eat, they maybe have conversations, they spend time with their family, mobile devices are off. They seriously construct their week around resting on the Sabbath. Now, that doesn't mean that you get to leave New Life and go find the local Seventh-day Adventist church, okay? I want to see you here on Sunday morning. But there's something to that. There's something to that. Back when the nation of Israel was in the desert, for 40 long years, God said, gather for six days, when they're gathering their food, gather for six days, and on that sixth day, gather for two days. Gather for six days, but on the sixth day, gather enough for two days. Because God told them that he was going to provide for them. That they could depend on him for their daily bread. God gave them seven days of provision in six days. He told them that soon they would be entering the promised land and that they were going to inherit cities they didn't build. They are going to harvest crops that they didn't plant. And God's fear was that they were going to settle into the busyness of life, the striving and striving that you and I get so caught up in to accomplish and provide for me and mine. And when we do that, there's this potential. You know this to be true. When we, you and I do that, when we stay so busy, we tend to forget who our provider is. We tend to forget from whom all of our blessings come. But for the people of Israel, this was a life and death command. Because in their culture back then, one day off could be a disaster. One day off can mean that they go hungry. But God says, I want you to depend on me for your daily bread. Not what you can gather, but for what I can provide. This is why God took 40 years to establish the cycle of seven days of provision with only six days of labor. Because the Sabbath says this, God, today on the Sabbath day, I'm declaring my dependence on you, not on me. Remember, remember, remember. He's the one who gives it all. Even my ability to work the other six days comes from God. Okay, and here's number four. Here's your last fill-in for the weekend. The last thing that God wants us to remember, there's all kinds of things, but this is just uh, for our message today. Remember my first love. Remember my first love. Now, I'm not talking about old boyfriends and girlfriends. I'm talking about God. Because look what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. This is Jesus talking to the church, to you and I, to people who consider themselves to be followers of Jesus. Look what Jesus says. But I have, but I have this complaint against you. Now when Jesus starts his communication to us with, I have, a, I have a complaint against you, we better listen up. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as if you did at first. If you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. It's easy to get complacent, isn't it? To just go through the motions. 
married couples, when I, when I sit down with married couples and kind of go through some counseling, I'm not saying that's just good for married couples. I, say, I think counseling is good for everyone. But I ask them to make a list of some of the things, if they're, if they're struggling, if they have some challenges and struggles in their marriage, I'll have them get out of the list and write down some of the things that first attracted them to the other. It was their smile, it was their personality, it was their laughter, it was how they did this. And they, I have them write all those things down and then I ask them, remember those things? What happened? And if you're watching and saying, yeah, my spouse doesn't do those things anymore, I bet your spouse would say the same about you. What does it look like for you to stay connected to Jesus? You know, I know a few weeks ago, I talked about some of my first experiences with Jesus at the age of 18. The way I felt, the way I lived, the way I walked, the way I talked. Now that I've grown a lot in my 30 years of being a follower of Jesus, I have to ask, which way am I growing? Am I growing towards Jesus or away from Jesus? Am I, have I lost my first love? Do I not have those experiences anymore because I'm not as connected to him as I was in the past? I have to decide that. What does it look like for your love and your faith to stay vibrant and passionate with Jesus? Because in the end, it all comes down to Jesus. Remember, remember, remember your salvation. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, why not today? Remember where you started. Remember where you came from. Remember the Sabbath, God's gift of rest to you. Remember your first love. I jotted down some, of the, some places in our life where I think we can remember Jesus, like remembering him in our time, remembering him in our abilities, remembering him in our inabilities, remembering him with our resources, our time, talent, and treasure. Are you, ser are you serving on a team here at church? Are you serving out in the community? Are you giving to God a portion or percentage of your income that he has blessed you with? And I know there's some people that say, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. We don't, no, 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 that's not true at all. Jesus complimented the giving. Jesus complimented the tithe. You say, well, I give, my, I give, here, I give of my time over here and I give of my resources over here. That's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's called our offerings above and beyond what God requires of us. Are you surrendering that over to him as well? Remembering him in our thoughts, remembering him in our everyday activities of being a, a, a spouse and a parent at, at our job and recreational activities. Remembering his mercy and his goodness and his forgiveness and his grace and his love. What about these things as we wrap up? What about these? Remembering his dying words on the cross when Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they have no idea what they're doing. What about remembering his comforting words when he says, come to me, all you who are tired and weary and weak, for I will show you a deep and real rest. What about remembering his commandments when he said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. This was Jesus talking. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. What about this? Remembering his challenge to us. Go into all the world and share this good news. The reason why I wanted to close with that one is because in the world that we're living in now, we need to be taking advantage of every 
opportunity to share Jesus. I don't care your age. I don't care your demographic. I don't care your race. I don't care your gender. We need to be taking advantage of every opportunity to share Jesus. We see what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Christians, as we speak, are being hunted down and executed. We see the the horrible earthquake again in Haiti. 7.2, thousands to believe, believe to be dead. We see the, the Uyghurs in China still being carted off by the busloads and sent to uh, concentration camps where they're being uh, reevaluated and all these other th- the horrible atrocities are being done to them. In our own country, we saw the we saw the tension begin to decline a little bit with masks and no masks, vaccines and no vaccines and good and bad and red and blue and all these, all these things that have caused division. We saw that begin to decrease a little bit and now it's ramped right back up because the enemy wants us divided. And I think we should turn it around and say, no, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ who preaches hope and love, and forgiveness, and peace, and unity. You see, that's where I think God wants us. So as we're going through this message about remember, remember your salvation. Remember where you came from. Remember that God loves you. And remember that his hope and his future is for good and not for disaster. It's for a future and a hope. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for recalling back to our minds what you want us to know and learn. All the good times, Lord, you've been faithful and just and you've shown mercy and grace to us when we didn't deserve it, but yet you still gave it. Father, we love you. Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice right now that's never surrendered their life to you, God, I pray that they... That, that you will just throw that invitation out there to them and they will accept that invitation by surrendering their life to you, by asking you to forgive them of their sins, by, by them repenting to you of all their wrongdoings. And that today they can jot this date down that they have surrendered their life to you and they have begun a new journey with you, Lord. Father, I just pray, Lord, over this series, God, as we continue to dive through it, Lord, that it will just be an amazing series ordained and anointed by you. And Father, I also pray, Lord, for for the people of Haiti, for the people of Afghanistan, for all the Christians that are there, Lord, for, for the atrocities that's happening in China and even in our own country, Lord. I just pray right now, God, that, Lord, that you will just intervene that you'll do something supernatural and special, Lord, to where, to where the whole world can look back and say, man, that is God. That is God. Lord, we put it in your hands. We lay it at your feet. And we say that you are the only hope for all of us as humanity. We love you. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Don't forget uh, everything that, that, that we uh, announced in the beginning. If you forgot some of those things, just go back. I'm not going to go through them all again. Just go back and rewatch some of the things that, that we announced before the message. Hey, we love you. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next weekend.